Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is a podcast by, for, and about teachers. It's not a place where we discuss rigor or teaching methods or sell lesson plans. It's simply a safe space for teachers to share their stories, frustrations, and triumphs, and for our listeners to realize, episode after episode, that they're not alone. Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is sometimes funny, sometimes disturbing, but always honest. Welcome to Will This Be on the Test Teacher Pod. Two teachers explore the realities of education. This week, we will be trying really, really hard to focus on the positives of starting a new school year. I'm Yo Miss. And I'm Miss V. How's it going? Well, I got to tell you, Miss V, as you know, because I've been texting about this all day, I'm cranky because here on the East Coast, it's been hot for 7,000 days. It's like, you know, one of the plagues or something. And, you know, I'm not, I like nice, you know, low 80s kind of day when, when you see like, oh, it's going to be 97 and it's going to feel like 105. It just doesn't really do anything for me. In fact, it makes me really bitchy. So that's where I'm at. How are you? Oh, in terms of weather, it's been similar here. That like same like 90, but feel or 95, but feels like 105. And the humidity has been like ungodly. And actually, my mom just shared this article with me about this unique problem that plagues the Midwest, but probably more Midwestern states than Michigan. And that is the presence of corn sweat which is what happens when the corn, when the humidity is high and the moisture is high, the corn absor- holds moisture and especially the tassels. Then, <laughs> so it can add, it can actually increase the humidity and the smell. So wow. now my whole backyard is, I have four acres, but beyond that is hundreds of acres of corn. And so when we sit out there in the evenings, we do now wonder if the smell is corn sweat or is it a neighboring farm? Is it humidity? Because there is kind of a weird sweet smell lately, but not mm. like a pleasant sweet smell. Yeah, that's not something corn problems. that- Hashtag corn problems. Yeah, actually I did put out on Twitter, didn't get a huge response, but I did put out like that you thought that the best corn was Michigan and I thought New Jersey. And I I got a few responses. One, the first person said Nova Scotia. And I was just like, oh, you're making me so sad because I want to move there. And then uh, I think somebody said Wisconsin, hands down, and someone else said Ooh. Idaho. So, you know, everybody has their corn thing, but I, I don't know if they knew about the corn sweat. So here, you know, people say they learn things from our show. So here it is. You've, learned, yeah. you've all learned something. That's, please don't, please don't thing. shut it down now. Like, please listen, even though you've learned something. Well, we have more. We have more to say, I promise. Oh, <laughs> we haven't peaked with corn sweat. There's never a lack of things for us to say. So what have you been up to out in the corn sweaty Midwest? Last night I went out, I braved the corn sweat and went to our town does a rib fest and barbecue um, aficionados from local and national come in and it's the thing. You eat the ribs and people vote. And then they have bands that play and and they haven't, this is the first year they've done it in probably two years because of COVID, two or three years. And this year we were particularly interested in the bands because their theme was early 2000s. Which is funny because I remember in the 2000s, we were like, what will we call this decade? Because we yes. couldn't say like 80s, 90s. It was the aughts or something. 
Yeah. Yeah. So apparently we've called it the early 2000s. So the first night they had like Sugar Ray and like one guy from Backstreet. I don't, this is an embarrassment of my generation. Chris Kirkpatrick. So he's either a Backstreet Boy or an NSYNCer. And I don't know. I don't think he was in sync. I'm just going to put that out there. Banging their head into their steering wheel. And then (laughs) some dude from American Idol who just played covers. We didn't go. We went last night when it was because we were more of like brunch types of people in the 90s. So we Mm -hmm. went for Sister Hazel and Puddle of Mud. Mm. And (laughs) it was $12 a ticket. And that was about the quality. I mean, (laughs) Puddle of Mud, but I'm a pretty good rock show. Never did I think I would say Puddle of Mud won the evening. Sister Hazel, I think that singer's days of singing have passed. But it made me really think it used to be years and years. Always there was like a classic rock band or one person from like one year. It was one of the guys from Grand Funk Railroad. And Mm -hmm. I said to my husband, I think they're trying to like move away from that and draw in a younger crowd by bringing in these artists. And then my husband looks at me and he was like, no, we're, they're still going after the same crowd. We're just the <laughs> crowd now. <laughs> so between that and we started watching the new documentary about Woodstock 99, which that was, I graduated in 2000. So that was like, oh my God, I just wished I could have gone so badly. And of course my parents were like, hell no, you're not going to that. Mm. And sure enough, it was like a shit show of a festival. And so this weekend I have really felt suddenly my age <laughs> has Aww. been thrust upon me. Poor so you. I'm, I'm okay. not actually feeling sad about it. I've been mostly feeling kind of nostalgic. Like those were the good old days. You know, it's funny because the the bands that you mentioned, I actually do know their music. First of all, because I, you know, I'm one of those people who just like listens to a lot of different kinds of music, but also because in the early 2000s, my kids were, you know, 10, 11, 12. So they were, when they were in the car, we mm-hmm. listened to what they wanted, you know, so we would listen to this stuff. But I think you start to really realize how bad it is when they start to have like, tribute bands for the bands you listen to because that's when it's really like when you go somewhere and they're like oh it's a billy joel tribute band you're like why because billy joel can't perform and i mean he can but you know he's in madison square garden so they're like oh you're too old to go to madison square garden we're going to just bring this tribute band to your like stupid neck of the woods because you can't go too many places so it gets it gets to be pretty bad see see for me when it gets bad is when it got bad was a when they started having commercials with some of my favorite bands and it's like the who sells out you know and they were selling out and the other one is every once in a while you hear it in an elevator or a a grocery store (laughs) and it's sort of like okay yeah it, it's yeah. pretty bad. Actually, I, I do have a habit of, of yelling at the TV whenever I hear an ad with like the Who or the Beatles. I'm like, whores, you're whores. You're selling yourselves. So I get very, <laughs> I get very Still irritated. Them. Yeah. But I have to say, I mean, my, my absolute favorite performer, and this has nothing to do with the fact that I live in New Jersey because he was my favorite before I lived in New Jersey, is Bruce Springsteen, who still is selling out like in 20 minutes, you know, and is still relevant. And yeah. so, so that kind of makes me feel a little, 
better. But yeah, you're getting old. Face it. You are. I, you know, I post took a picture and posted on Facebook that everyone brought lawn chairs. And we just showed up because it's a concert. And here are all these, I was like, look at all these old people bringing their lawn chairs. I'm looking around. They're all the same age as me. <laughs> and then I said to my husband, I did not wear good shoes for standing. My feet are going to be sore. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> I was going to say, the other thing is when they say final tour, this is our final tour yeah. for the 17th time. Tour. This is our, fi- our farewell yeah. tour. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the picture you posted on Facebook, though, there was some that the chairs that I saw weren't just lawn chairs, like something looked one of them looked like an office chair, like somebody brought their like, you know, like a like an ergo. What's that word? Ergonomic? Ergonomic. Yeah. Yeah. Ergonomically sound chair. Like I was like, wow, who who did that? Like, that's bad. So the place, the um, event was sponsored by Seat and Sleep, which is like a furniture store here. And one of the prizes they gave away was somebody got to sit, they brought like a brand new recliner and parked it like just sort of close, but off center of the stage. And someone got to sit in that recliner for the show. And I thought like, this is how old I am that when this woman won, I was like, you son of a bitch. I wish I would have won that recliner. (laughs) See, now the the events that have our bands, they give away like a month's supply of Depends. So that's, you know, that's when you know you are truly just like over the hill. You know, it's it's a problem. Vitamins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, my my much younger coworker was there and I said, oh, they're probably running behind because the band is taking their Geritol before they go on stage. (laughs) She said, what's that? And I was like, oh, no. Wow. <laughs> I know. It's pretty bad. But what's good is, see, when you recognize this is happening, though, you have to just say, okay, I am, I'm not going to give into this. I'm going to keep up with music and whatever. Because, like, you know, every so often I'll, like, text my son and be like, oh, I heard a really good song by Arcade Fire. And he'll be like, mom really? And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, and he's just like, okay, like you get to like maintain that cool factor once you notice that you're losing it. So get in there, yeah. <laughs> start listening to college well, radio again, damn it. <laughs> oh man. What I think while we were reminiscing, I'd said to my husband, I wish I would have seen Weezer back in the day when we liked them. And he's like, we did see Weezer. And I was like, what? And then, <laughs> so then we started going through like, what shows have we seen? And what parts of my young adult life have I completely blacked out? So then we were Googling and apparently we saw Green Day in 2005 and who opened for them was My Chemical Romance. Wow. Who at the time was like nobody. And we were like these kids and they just were swearing a lot and we just blew them off because they were the opening band. And and I wouldn't, I never would have remembered that's who we saw. So now it kind of makes me want to go back and look at who those openers were and see like, maybe I've seen some bands who ended up being a big deal. <laughs> that happened to me, actually. I went to see, um, I went to see the English Beat at Boston University and the opening band was R.E.M. And R.E.M. Oh became, yeah. And and I, I knew who R.E.M. was at the time too, but it was like they were the opener. And then English Beat sort of disappeared and R.E.M. became R.E.M., you know, this big band. Yeah. So, yeah, so that did that did actually happen to me once. But then there were the times where you went and like the opening band, you'd just be like, oh my God, get off the stage. You're horrible. Like, go away. <laughs> I'm glad that, you know, you're feeling older because now I don't feel so old. You're you're, you're with us. So. 
yet. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get down to a little, a little teacher business here. So before we get into our topic for the week, one of the things I wanted to bring up is my local school district has changed their hours. And this is after parents clamoring for years about all the scientific evidence that teenagers need more sleep and that they shouldn't have to go to school so early that it's not good for them and they're not with it. And and as teachers, we've all seen those first period kids who are either late or just like putting their heads down or just not, you know, they're not with it. So my district changed their hours, their high school hours, they moved them forward a half an hour. So now they are starting at eight o'clock instead of 728. And then what they did is they basically moved the middle school and the elementary schools later than that. So they're starting at at nine, which I, I think the elementary is actually always started at nine, but the middle school started at eight. So they're moving that an hour later. So it's just, everybody got moved forward. And I think a lot of how they're working, it has to do with buses and all that kind of stuff. So I put out on Twitter, random question, like what time does your high school start? And I got a lot of responses. And so being the geek I am, I analyzed them and um, did percentages and all that stuff. I'm so proud. So what was kind of interesting is that 36% of our respondent schools start before 8 a.m. So uh, basically a third starts before eight o'clock and a little less than half of those start before 730 in the morning. And this is high that, school. I cannot believe. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then 51% start between eight and 855 AM. And then 13% started from 9 AM to 915 with most of those at nine o'clock. So this is high school and they're obviously... If you're starting at nine, you're going till four o'clock. You know, that's your day is is obviously longer. And what was interesting too is California just put in a law that starts regulating high schools this year that no high school can start before 8.30 in the morning. So a lot of the the responses we got. Whenever I've been involved in this conversation and never in a place where it mattered with actual stakeholders, but always the pushback is sports. Mm-hmm. Because if you go so much later, you'd have to, like in these cases of California, you'd have to almost all make the change. Because right. like my high school got out at 2.30 and we would start games with local schools by 3.30. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know how they must well, in a clump, like maybe the whole county decides to well, shift or something. California, it's, it's all, I mean, it's this whole state. The whole state is yeah, shifting to yeah. 830. So, but the question becomes also if you're starting at 830 and you're going until 330 and then you're not starting games until somewhere around four-ish, whatever, what happens when it starts to get dark out? Like, does every field have lights? Because right. you know, I know like when my daughter played field hockey, they they actually did have lights on the field if you needed them, but not every school has that. Not every county has that. And so how are you yeah. doing that unless you're not playing at your home field if you don't have lights? Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. From a parent perspective, I got to imagine it's easier on parents' work schedules to get to games that start later. I mean, now that I don't live my life on school time, anything that happens mm-hmm. before 
five o'clock, I'm like, what, how are parents supposed to get there? Yeah. <laughs> so that no. would be a benefit. But yeah. One thing that I know has always been a question here and specifically, I, it was questioned a lot in the district that I taught in was most of the people who responded, they actually had it flipped. So like high school was the last school to start. So elementary went mm-hmm. first, middle, then high school, because the elementary kids don't need to go that late. And in my district, it was a walking district. It was a lot of latchkey kids and the high school kids would come to the elementary school, would come to the middle school and walk their siblings home. But if they're starting earlier, how are you, like yeah. you don't have those high school kids for childcare, which, you know, some people, I, I put that out there and some people were like, yeah, but this isn't about high school kids being able to watch siblings. Like they, again, they're not supposed to be babysitters. They're supposed, right. supposed to be better for them. But I thought it was just, you know, kind of interesting how it just ranges and, some, some places yeah. are starting earlier. Las Vegas is starting at seven o'clock in the morning now. I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the same argument with the, you know, people always say, oh, the sports. And then you go like, but isn't the point the learning? Like, aren't the academics? Shouldn't that be the first? But, but yeah, you really, you have to just be honest about the fact that all of these are factors, whether they should be or not. And then mm-hmm. I think of kids getting, I mean, already during any academic or sports season or band season, kids have these late nights, especially if it's away games and they're trying to get homework done mm-hmm. and it would make that harder. But I also am not really a proponent for homework. So to me, I see it like maybe we shifted in this allows us to have these conversations about a lot of other things. Like maybe kids don't need to be in school for such a long day. Maybe mm-hmm. they could start later and still get out earlier because maybe there's a cap on how much a brain can retain in seven hours. You know, I don't know. Just, I think it would be, it would be amazing if we lived in a world where that something like this could open a conversation about what really is best for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without taking into account like, that parents need them to do X, Y, and Z. But in in our high school, and I, I saw some high schools do this throughout the high school. Our high school, it was just the seniors. They had either early in or late out. So you had the privilege of starting first period and finishing up whatever, which if you were an athlete, that's what you did. Or you could start second period and go that extra period at the end of the day. So if you wanted to, and if you needed more credits or wanted to take more credits because you were a big achiever, uh, you could go from first to 10th or whatever the last period was. I don't remember. So like I know with my daughter, because she was an athlete, she was early in and, and finished up early. My son, I think he had late in, but then he did the morning announcements at his school. So when it was his week to do announcements, he had to go in early anyway, because announcements were <laughs> between first and second period yeah. or something. So he had to be there. Yeah. So there were schools that do that for all of their students so that if, you, if you're if you an athlete, you can work that out. Mm-hmm. And the other, some schools had it, I thought this was kind of cool, actually, that four days of the week are regular 730 in the morning start time. And then one day a week was later. So it was kind of like giving you that, that day to like, okay, you can, everybody can sleep in today. You know, I don't know how that came about, but it was, it was kind of an interesting idea, you know, and I can tell here, 
my local high school changed their stuff. I don't know that any of the surrounding high schools did. So I don't know what they're going to do with sports at all. I have no, I mean, they're getting out. They're not getting out that much later. They're getting out at 245 instead of 220 or something. So they're just going to have to hustle a little bit more probably to get on the bus to go or to all athletes games. out early on days. Yeah. Like game days or something. I, you know, I think we get in our bubble. This is how our state does it or our county does it. And I think it can be sometimes hard to think outside of the box. I think it's cool to hear what other states do mm-hmm. that are some like that early in, early out option. I mean, I don't know that anyone around me does that. And if so, I just have never heard of it. So it's cool to see like, oh, look, there are all these other options, but you get in this like tradition, you know, or, yeah. or parents get used to a certain, you know, so I think that's yeah. cool to hear. There are a lot of other ways you can do things. There are. There. It's funny. They, I can't remember what the reason was for them starting this early in, late out thing for for the seniors. There was some construction reason or something. Like there was something that made it happen, and then they just chose to continue it. And every year they say, "Oh, we're not sure if we're going to continue it." And the kids are like, "That's not fair. Everybody's gotten to do it." And then, of course, they right. do it. So, okay. Well, so now, that was a my district near. A district near me, due to a lack of teachers, they are looking at starting the year with a gross absence of math teachers. And so they're looking at doing like math virtually, like the higher level kids who are more likely to drive, juniors and seniors, you could take like first hour math online so that they can have like 60 kids zooming in with one teacher because they just physically, and then they don't even have enough support staff. So they can't even put, you know, a bunch of kids in an auditorium because they just don't have the bodies to keep an eye on them. And so what that's an option they're playing around with is like, you could opt for this like first hour virtual. So then that will free up more kids per teacher. And then that teacher maybe gets like an extra planning. And I think we're going to see more of that as the teacher shortage grows. Well, that's, there was that article that I think all of us saw in the Washington Post about the the teacher shortage and what different places are doing. And I think there was a district in Texas that's going four days a week because they're just like, we can't cover five days a week. I just find it interesting though, that this is the second time I've heard about that virtual math thing. And as a former math teacher, if I was going to pick a subject, that would be the last subject that I would pick to be virtual because it can be really important to have somebody actually physically there to say, no, you added instead of subtracting rather than like a kid spinning their wheels. Because right. I saw when we taught right. it virtually, it was a mess. Yeah, but math and science is where they're missing people because you can make so much more money with a math and science degree anywhere else <laughs> in the job market. I know I should just, I should go back and be like, okay, pay me a hundred thousand dollars a year and I will, I'll teach middle school math for a year. And then they'd say, go. okay. And I'd say, just kidding. I don't want to do it. So <laughs> not a chance. Well, what I think sucks about it is they're opening this opportunity to the high level math classes, assuming these are the high achievers. These are the kids who are going to work hard and zoom in. When, mm-hmm. So it's almost like punishing the kids, you know, who have done well or who do well in math because they're saying, well, we really need to use the humans in a face-to-face setting for the kids who are struggling, but you're doing well. So here have this half-ass option. And then they're also doing things like if they are on trimesters, so there's a math A, B, C, but if you've passed A and B, they'll just exempt you from C. 
because they just can't run that many sections. So again, now you're doing so great in math and your reward is you get screwed out of a trimester of math. So what's your last, you end math in what, December? And you don't get it again till the next fall, whenever second trimester would end, would be the last time you'd have math. I mean, come on, that's, yeah, that's not sustainable either. No, it's not. And especially after, you know, to have all this happen right after all this learning loss and all these issues because of the pandemic, if anything, you want to shore up all of this and, you know, they don't have the bodies. I mean, they just, I'm seeing people just leaving, going wherever and, or just leaving the profession as we've talked about, you know, but, but we're not going to focus on that today. We're not going to focus on that today. Today, We're going to remember some people are so excited to go back. Yes. Now, are, were these people easy to find? Well, not necessarily, but, but they're out there. And, you know, what, what we did is we asked the question and, you know, I asked it on Reddit and Twitter and also asked a few of my teacher friends, what are you looking forward to this school year? And I was very specific about it. It doesn't have to be something big because I think when people say, I'm not looking forward to anything, they're really just sort of th- thinking like, you know, I'm not getting a huge raise or it's going to suck because we don't have enough subs or whatever it is. So I was just hoping people would drill down a little bit and talk about Mm -hmm. what it is they're looking for. And again, being the geek I am, (laughs) we were able to actually sort them into different categories. So I guess we can talk about each category and read some of these and and we're going to invite Scotty in to uh, to help us out with this. Okay, so the first category was people who changed their position or changed their role, which, you know, is a great thing to do when you're miserable. I know I did that. I wasn't miserable, but I definitely needed a change. And I did that when I went from elementary to middle school math, and it was it was definitely a good thing. So we've got some of those here if we want to read a few of them or go from there. I think people, one, you know, if you're starting to feel like you're burned out or you're not enjoying it anymore, but you're not sure you're ready to leave, I think trying to get into either a different building or grade level in your district, or even just applying for a job in a different district is Mm -hmm. a great way to kind of test the waters. Is it just the school? Are you just in a rut or is it the profession? Yeah. This one I thought was really interesting. Um, This uh, person said, after 20 years as an ELA teacher, I have switched to fourth grade science and social studies. I don't know what level they taught ELA at, whether it was, you know, at a high school level. It's kind of what I assume, but looking forward to new concepts and challenges. So that's, that's a big change. You know, that's a, a huge change. So that was one that I thought was really interesting. One that might be a unicorn is the person who said, I'm a special ed teacher and I will no longer give direct services. So their caseload was going down to 40 to 50 students. Some of the other special ed teachers will have lower caseloads and give or and give more services. Maybe it wasn't going down, but I feel like rarely is anyone feeling like there's a they're get they're having less on their plate or fewer students. So that one, that would definitely be something to be excited about. 
It sounded to me like this person was going from actually being in a classroom to being, uh, you know, LDTC or, a, you know, a case manager. Yeah. So they weren't teaching. So, which is definitely, again, that's a great thing to do, especially if you've just had enough of the classroom or some people just aren't suited to the classroom. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we all know who they are. Well, and I have to imagine what gets you into special ed is the in desire to work one-on-one -on -one with kids, or I imagine, you know, you think of the ways in which you can support these kids. And then to add teaching in a classroom and all that goes with that, the prep and the curriculum and all of that and the grading, that of course takes away from the support you can offer. So I imagine it would be very refreshing to get back to just being able to focus on support. On, on, the, yeah. on the same level, I'm, I like the one about the guy who's teaching dyslexic students and he's dyslexic. I think that's pretty cool. Yes, that person ended it with teaching them strengthens my own brain too. So win, win, win. And not a lot of people talk about the, their classroom teaching assignment with win, win, win and three exclamation points. I know. This is somebody who's obviously very, very excited to do this for, for well, a good reason. Yeah, I think I think it's, you know, he's giving back sort of. It's kind of neat. It's, you know, it's he's teaching he's teaching him from experience. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And then we had somebody who cut their commute down from one and a half hours each way to 20 to 25 minutes. That's that's a game changer. Like that's life changing. Yeah. Really. I mean, that's yeah. that's great. Okay. So that was well, one we time to listen to the podcast anymore. I know. I know. <laughs> they're going to have to listen while they're making dinner or, you know, or doing other things, working <laughs> out at the gym. Okay. So we had, that was one category of people who were had taken on a different or a new role. And then the next one, and this, this was the kind of thing that when I was teaching, I was always jazzed by this, like either new content or new curriculum or new projects, like looking for things, even if I wasn't changing content necessarily, but more just trying to deepen and find new ways of teaching. Yeah. And so that was to me, like what I would think about during the summers and look into. So like we have um, one person said, I'm teaching media studies this year, in addition to public speaking in English. So I'm super excited to tackle this new curriculum and just have fun with the kids. And I put this out to my teacher friends and one sort of in the same vein said, I'm looking forward to trying some new strategies I've read about. This will be year 16, and I'm always looking for ways to improve. My goal this month is to put together something new and fun and exciting to roll out on day one with my students. And I have to tell you, the first week of like kind of catch them, get them pumped, get them back into school was always a thing I was excited about, too, because it just mm -hmm. felt like you just feel like there's just so much potential and opportunity at the start of a new year, you know, like it's all going to be different now, or at this year, I'm going to start them out this way. Or, you know, I just love that clean slate at the oh, beginning. Yeah. And I liked that about trimesters too, but the nice thing about the first try the beginning of the year is you have so much time. Like when you go from first try to second or second to third, a lot of times it's like you're finishing up final grades and you have like the weekend and then on Monday you have new kids. And so mm -hmm. you don't get that time to like breathe and go, all right, fresh start. You're just like, bam, bam, bam. We have to start next week. I'll throw some shit together. But the first week of the school year, it's like you have all this time to like really think about like everything it could be and everything yeah. you're going to do. That's 
that's what makes me excited just talking about it. And I don't even have to do it this year. <laughs> yeah. But, and it was also things like cha- changing the, even just changing the physical plant. Like one thing that I, I did in both in fifth grade and sixth grade is I got an extra whiteboard for my classroom. Actually, Scotty put it in for me. I bought whiteboard board at Home Depot for like $10 and we put it up. And I, you know, mm-hmm. so every day the, I would put like some sort of like a pop quiz kind of question on the board. And when they were done with their, you know, their do now, they could go and write their answer or whatever. And it was just something fun. And I remember the first year I did it, I was so excited because it was just something different and something new. And they were like, wow, this is cool. I'm like, yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, so I know <laughs> like that, that kind of thing is greater. Just again, finding new ways to, to teach certain things. Well, that's, I was just going to read the biology one and it sounded very similar. She said, or he or she says, I'm starting a biology program at our new high school. I'm so excited about the curriculum and the cool things I get to try out. I'm excited to see former students again, some that I have taught for fourth, sixth and advised from sixth to eighth. I also opted to teach anatomy and physiology, which I'm stoked about. All my supplies have started coming in and it's like Christmas unpacking all the new shiny supplies and gear for this new department. It's new. It's fun. I get to play around and build. This is what I absolutely love about teaching. And I felt that way when I would take on a new class too. It's like everything, everything new. I mean, or getting new textbooks if when they're books you got to pick out or as an English Mm -hmm. teacher, when I got to pick out new novels that we were reading and you get to open those like fresh brand new books mm. and the spines <laughs> haven't even been cracked yet and the box smells like a bookstore no yeah. kid has drawn a penis inside those books yet <laughs> it's unbelievable it's yeah. <laughs> I know all the expo markers are brand new you get to I know them out of their plastic <laughs> we actually um smells my, like a new car yeah my, my yeah. last yeah my last year we got desks that were like whiteboard desks so all the math classrooms got that so the kids could write on the desks so and of course you know you had to walk around between classes to make sure that nobody had drawn a penis for the next class to come in you know and see (laughs) but basically it it was the coolest thing because they came in and I the first very first day I had the fresh expo markers and I'm like okay I'm going to give you 10 minutes just draw on the desk and just sat back and they were just like, really? You know, but it was, it was really (laughs) very cool. One of our, one of the teachers in our district, in our building found them. And then we were actually all got them, which was great. This, I thought this one was interesting. This person said, I'm teaching a four or five combo. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm looking forward to two grades at once. I like the mix of interests and abilities and how they blend together. Tons of extra work. Yes, but rewarding. My thought on that was differentiated learning with the differentiated learning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Basically, you don't have to differentiate because it's just there. But each 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 grade level is going to have its own levels, you know. It's it's uh like 3D yeah. chess or something. Yeah, but you know what? Like when you have those I, I don't know, like I could see the logic of it where I taught it would have been helpful because so many people were behind or had difficulties that if you had the fourth grade, they'd sort of be in the middle instead of being at the bottom. So it's kind of, kind of an interesting thing. I love the mixing up of ages and grade levels at at elementary. I mean, of course I love it as a parent and a person who observes, I don't know how you would do it, but 
because of exactly what you said, there's so much gray area, like, you know, they, they know enough to move on to the next grade level, but maybe they needed a little practice in this or that. And so I love in these mixed age group classes, there can be kind of an ebb and flow based Mm -hmm. on where your strengths are. I can't fathom how you would manage it. Although I taught electives and those would have a mix of nine through 12th grade, but you know, at the high school level, there's a lot more sort of here's the content and you just kind of try to get everyone up to it. Whereas I feel like at the elementary, because there's the skills are basic skills, there's a lot more of like, we need to go to where you are. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's cool when your younger kids can kind of connect with older kids as hopefully role models. I think that, I think that could be an amazing classroom, but it sounds it really good. Like a lot of work. It would be, but like, with certain things there's and it depends on what two grade levels you have together but having taught elementary sometimes like the older grade is just a deepening of the skills that is being taught in the younger grade so for example Mm -hmm. with language arts like you're teaching um inference in fourth grade let's say you know like how do you infer Mm -hmm. but it's it's very a very basic like oh I take what I know and what I what I read and I put it together and I come up with an idea in fifth grade, you're trying to make that a little bit deeper and say, okay, well, let's, let's read some examples or whatever. So those fourth grade kids can, they can shoot for that also. Same thing with math. Mm -hmm. There are things that you do in math that, and I had kids who were grasped onto things pretty quickly. And then they sort of hit that wall of, well, that's not a fifth grade thing. And I didn't have the materials to teach sixth grade things. So I, I like the idea right. of it. That's a, uh, what's her name? Uh, Montessori. That's a Montessori yeah. school is all grades, all um, ages together. So yeah, I think that would be, that would be cool. That would be fun. I have no idea how to do it, but I love that some people do. Yes. And we appreciate those of you who do it. Come back to us and let us know how it goes. Okay. Then we have general classroom thoughts and ideas because I didn't know what else to call this. So, (laughs) and these are just (laughs) things that people want to do in their classrooms, whether it's trying out new strategies, new classroom management strategies. Somebody said here, I'm making the transition to a fully flexible seating classroom, which is something I always wanted to do, but could not figure out how to get it happening. It just, it was overwhelming to me, so I couldn't do it. And this person says, it's something I've wanted to do forever, but it hasn't been logistically possible until now. I'm excited to see how my students will benefit. I did it before COVID. I had done a big, because I was in the Facebook group that just totally introduced the idea to me. And I just thought it was like amazing. And I had the kind of desks where the um, chair and desk it was like all one piece of furniture and I frequently had upperclassmen and some of the kids you know they're like three times taller than me and they're those are such uncomfortable desks I mean they're Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for everyone but you got long legs you're not a size two that's a hard desk to sit in so that's actually what originally appealed to me was imagine if a kid could pick a seating area that made them feel comfortable in their body instead of shoving you know their it's v. Yeah. When when you when you're moving your hands, I don't know what you're doing, but you're we're getting a buzz off it. We're getting a, a rumble. It's upstairs. A child. Just oh, is ran. it really? Oh. Yep. Okay. Sorry. It's Sorry to interrupt. He, he can't go to the bathroom by his bedroom. He has to run as fast as he can to my bathroom. <laughs> <every time. laughs> it, it 
It's funny because my parents, you know, are down here and Chris was like, I'll do the most to insulate the ceiling. But now I get a, now I know what it's like for them down here. So that's good to know. We'll talk with the children. <laughs> but yeah, it was loud. It was right over me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Totally leaving that in. <laughs> that whole discussion. Yeah, really. Oh, no. <laughs> well, anyways, what I was going to say about the flexible seating is the kids loved it. Mm-hmm. The problem I had was I used a lot of those like bag chairs you can set up. Right. And they, those things didn't last the wear and tear of heavy teenagers. And I was free, mm-hmm. constantly buying more, making teenagers more comfortable seemed to result in them thinking they could like prop their feet up on everything, leave their garbage around. Like I had different issues, which was interesting, but I mean, I just had to pivot and talk to the kids more every now and then I'd have a chair that was like, it's done. You're too annoying on it. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting to me. I kept some desks and then some tables with like two at a table. And there are always those kids who prefer those. Mm -hmm. And then you have the ones that would like sit back in the lounge chair. So I loved it. I would just say it, you really need a big space to really do it well. Yeah. Because I really wanted to kind of have it set up in little areas. Yeah. And I realized quickly I didn't have enough room, but the kids really, they would like move them around as they needed to see the board and they'd scoot them when they worked in partners. So it played, it was that year. I was like, so excited. I could, it was similar to your whiteboards. I just was like, I can't wait till the kids see this. Cause it was yeah. so different. Well, that, that was the, the year that we got the whiteboards. I didn't know that we were getting them. So that was when I was going to do flexible seating. And I actually went and got like a couple of tables and whatever. Then they brought in the whiteboards and I was like, okay, that's that. And I couldn't do the flexible seating with the whiteboards because again, I had to keep track of who was sitting where so that if they wrote something inappropriate or left something on there, like, oh, I'm giving a test and like, they're writing the answers on here. Like I had to know where everybody was all the time. So, and so those tables actually ended up in my son's house and, uh, and uh, with my sewing machine on it here, but, um, but yeah, it's, I, it's something I always, there, there were two things I always wanted to try. That was one of them and flipped classroom was the other, which of course then COVID kind of made flipped classroom. Everybody's way of teaching sort of, but we, I couldn't do flipped classroom because not everybody had device, but now of course everybody does. So anyway, but uh, going back to what people said, uh, I thought this one, you know, this person said that they're looking forward to a fresh start. Last year was rough. I had a student with behaviors I have never seen in someone so young. It made it hard to go to work every day. I'm just looking forward to seeing my seniors. I have a lot of returning students. So this year won't have even have the high jitters that they usually have. So I could see after a rough year, just saying, okay, I'm going to just put that behind me and look forward to that start. That's something nice about high school and probably middle school, depending on your setup is you are more likely to see those kids again, I guess, depending on what you teach. Whenever I taught, electives was when it was always the chance to get duplicate kids. And I, yeah, you, you know, when you have those years and sometimes it's at the change of the trimester where you look at your roster and you're like, Oh, this hour is going to be so fun. I mean, certainly sometimes you go, ah, shit. But I love when you, when you have years that like, it's a senior class you really like, or a couple of your favorite kids. Like I have them twice in one day. Anyway, so um, this one sounds like me. 
because they're it says I'm trying a lot of new classroom management behavioral routines that I'm pretty anxious to see the results of. And I felt like that was often me at the beginning of the year because I was a very laissez-faire teacher. So every year I was like, this is the year I'm going to get my shit together. But <laughs> specifically the second part where they say, I'm also going all out on my word walls and decor. I'm teaching core French this year. The new room I'm in is also being renovated over the summer. It's a raised auditorium layout. I'm so excited about that. I love, love, love decorating my classroom in the fall. Me too. So Me too. that was like, I mean, it's like August 1st and I'm like, well, better start planning for back to school. And it's most of it's because I just wanted to go into my classroom and like decorate. And it's do, so funny. You know, I don't know. Tinker you know in, ele- in elementary, of course, everybody decorates your room has a theme, you know, like my theme was Hawaii yeah. and I had waves and everything was teal color. It was great. It was gorgeous. I have to say, but <laughs> I thought so. But then when I moved to middle school, like I still, you know, went out and I got fabric for my bulletin boards and I got borders. Like even if the kids don't care, I care. I'm there all day, but they do care. They like a nice room. And a couple of my friends were like, what are you doing? Like, we don't decorate middle school. I'm like, well, you don't decorate, but like the teachers that the kids actually like, they do decorate. Like, the, you know, they the kids say like, oh, I really like their room. Or like, I had like Christmas lights that I would, actually, it was funny when yeah. I taught language arts at elementary. And when we would do writing, we would put on the Christmas lights for like atmosphere. And I would put on like, you know, George Winston music or whatever. Yeah. But even in middle school, I had the, 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 they used to call them happy lights because they knew I didn't celebrate Christmas. So they were trying to be cool about that which I thought was nice Uh, but um you know so I I love doing that but also I think it helped them feel like oh this is a nice place to come to because why do they always paint schools that like creamy dirty white yellowy Uh, no one no one like where does that color why is that color even manufactured like it doesn't for schools that's it clean enough to be white yeah it's just gross and it's just drab You know, it's just, just having some color in the room, just having some posters up, some things that are personal to me, things that, you know, that they would like. I mean, you know, I, I, I like doing that. I, I don't see why it's, it's almost like, oh, you care that, you know, how it looks like you're an idiot. Like, no, sorry, I'm not an idiot. I agree with this person. You spend so much time in that room, you know, know. like you want it to feel comfortable for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's it's uh, ridiculous that people don't do that, but that's everybody's got their things. I think what kids don't realize is so many of us, like all of those pieces, we pick them and do them like on purpose. Like we think about the curtain will make it feel homey and the, pl- you know, we think about mm-hmm. all that crap. You probably spent so much time deliberating before you picked Hawaii. Like we want all this so that on the first day you're like, oh, when your kids come in. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, first day. And also when the parents come in for back to school night, you want them to be like, oh, this is beautiful. But mostly it's, it's definitely for the kids. And and Hawaii was also because I had, you know, a few years before I had been to Hawaii. So I could say to them like, oh, I was there with my family and blah, blah, blah. You know, like in middle school, I didn't have a theme. I just had, you know, really nice fabric. And it it was, it was your happy space. 
Yes, it was. Mm. It was my happy space. And, you know, and it's true. The kids don't realize it and that's okay. Like, I don't care if they know that I, you know, sat there sweating over, you know, like, what should I, should I have a a rug here or should I do that? The funniest thing was (laughs) I would go in and I always tried to go in like pretty early because I wanted to get done before like I wanted to have a couple of weeks at the end of the summer to chill, but also before they yeah. started coming out with the stupid memos, like, please do not staple anything to your walls because I was yeah. too late. I did it. You you too know? Late. <laughs> my, my first principal at my elementary school, who's actually his birthday is today. So if you're listening to this happy birthday, Mr. Sherman, um, <laughs> yeah, we're Facebook friends. I know he's, it's his birthday. Anyway, I remember him coming in and I had like a Scotty had given me his staple gun, you know? So I'm like, boom, 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 like putting things into into the wall. And he's like, you really shouldn't be doing that. And I'm just like, well, it's too late now. You must have had non-concrete walls, clearly, if you could. We we had, we had like, I would say in every classroom, there were two walls that were non-concrete and two walls that were concrete. So I stapled into the, because okay. you couldn't stick anything onto those cinder block walls. It would always fall off. So I oh, just. Oh, yeah. I was just duct tape, packaging tape. They'd send the memos like, don't use that tape because it pulls the paint. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I'll remove it very carefully. Yeah, right. And then in June, I'm like, <laughs> ripping it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're but, like, yeah. here, let, let, let's year, I, I spent all this time putting painter's tape first. And then I duct taped to the painter's tape. Wow. Because then I thought I can just pull like what I'm trying. I'm so good. And then the freaking painter's tape pulled the paint off because paint doesn't stick to concrete because concrete's the worst surface ever. <laughs> so, but then I figured it didn't matter because next year I'm going to put that poster, something, some poster up again, and no one is going to know that I just pulled all that paint off. And it's going to be right. totally fine. <laughs> they're, they're never going to know. Paint. I used yeah. painter's tape on the floor because I used to do a place value chart on my floor so that when they were learning place value, like everybody could have a number like, oh, you're in the tens place. You're that one represents yeah. 10 or whatever. You know, we would play a game. And one year I didn't have trouble getting it off, but there was one year that I could not, I could get the the tape off, but I couldn't get the expo markers that I used on the floor off. And I was like, oh Oh, my God, I am going to be fired. Like, this is bad. This is really (laughs) bad. And I remember going to the custodian and I'm like, uh, uh," and he's like, oh, don't worry. It'll come off when we, when we like, we scrape the floor before we wax it. It'll come off. I was like, oh. Thank God. Because I was really like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like calling people like, how do you get this shit off? And they're like, try this, try that. Nothing was working. It was terrible. But yeah, the painter's tape, kids have stepped on it for an entire 180 days. It does stick pretty well, actually. So yes, once I used it, my desk would always somehow migrate closer to the front of the room. And I like <laughs> have to have a day where I like scooted. And so once I put tape, like I made like L's, like this is the edge mm-hmm. of a row, like don't scoot. And the same thing by the time I was like, this is shit, the kids don't listen anyway. Or I was rearranging, I went to pull it up and it left lines of adhesive, yep. like an outline. And I yep. had a similar like tail between my legs to the custodian, like, well, I've done a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
And I think you specifically asked me not to, but I did it anyway. And now I have a little trouble, but thanks. Yeah. Yes. They got chemicals for everything. Yeah, no, they, they can take care of it. And you think to yourself, and this is one of the reasons I am super glad that I am nice to you. Every single time I see yes. you, I say, good morning to you. I ask you how you're doing <laughs> and how your kids are, because not just because I'm a nice person, but because you're going to take care of my, my stuff. Yes. So that's, you will save I, my butt. I know. Oh my God. Uh, just oh, the things that, the things that we would do there. Okay. So getting back to our, our topic here, we have a couple more categories. One is things that people are looking forward to this year. We have two people who are looking forward to leaving because they're retiring, which is fair. They're looking forward to their last year. And then finally, the last one, which I'm not surprised at, that people are excited about seeing the kids. You know, they miss, mm -hmm. they miss the kids. One person actually, they taught summer school. They haven't seen them for a month and they miss them terribly. And I'm like, okay, you're, you must be new because like a month <laughs> is not that long, but kudos <laughs> to you. I'm glad that you're, you're teaching because we need more people like you out there. Yeah. I, I, I would say like, just stepping back from all this, one of the things I, noticed, and I said this even before things got really, really bad with teaching, is if you can invest yourself in it more, like when your in inclination is to say, I hate this. And Chase said this also when we had him on, when your inclination is to say, I hate this and I want don't want to do this anymore, instead of leaning back, actually leaning in and saying, all right, let me find something to make yeah. this interesting for me that that's going to get you through and I think what a lot of people do unfortunately is they say I'm just I hate this and I'm going to just mail it in and they're miserable it's unfortunate that the profession is pushing people to that point in um the Facebook group that Alyssa runs from when we had her on teaching on days after there was kind of a one of the it was unrelated to the original post it was a back thread that happened like further down in the post. The post was about one of the dumb, you know, parents trying to ban books or CRT bullshit, one of those bullshit things that parents are doing. And the comments were like, you know, I'm dreading this. It's going to be even worse this year. And then further down, someone said, this kind of stuff is what motivates me the most. Like, I just mm. can't wait to get back and teach the shit out of this stuff. And those parents, like, I don't care what that, you know, like they felt kind of like, mobilized by like people this all of this rhetoric about what we don't want our kids to hear we don't want you and she was like it makes me feel like inspired to find a way to do that and have those conversations like in the midst of the chaos and I thought like that woman's awesome you know <laughs> like yeah. that was like and kind of similar like she leaned into she almost took it as like a challenge like, you know, to all this rhetoric, like I'm going to go in there and still just go ahead and do the best for kids and take care of those kids who need, who need me to take care of them, like in spite of all the like nasty rhetoric. And I thought that was pretty inspiring. My first year of teaching, I was in a hall with two veteran teachers who, I mean, I don't know that I have like written a blog about teaching or done a thing about teaching where I haven't referenced one of the two of them from the wisdom in the, my first three years, because after that I changed schools. But the one, my first year told me just close your door and teach. Like you just go to this. I think I was like upset about something at a staff meeting and 
he was like, yeah, no, that's going to happen. But then you're going to just shut your door and teach. You're going to just shut your door and do what your kids need. And that's, you're going to be fine. And I mean, it's hard if what your problem is, is what's in your classroom. Like, you know, if you're struggling with the kids, that's not a great nail. Don't, you just don't want to shut your door. <laughs> you might need help. No. <laughs> but so often there's just so much shit to the profession. But if you can just focus on, I mean, really just shut your door and do what you do. Like we all get into teaching because that's what we want to do. We just want to talk to the kids and we want to have those fun days. We want to do these cool lessons and new projects, but we get so, we get pulled in so many different ways that I mm -hmm. think the people who stay excited and stay energetic are the ones who are able to remember the priority is those kids in that room, you know, use that door as like, literally when you shut that, the bullshit's out there. I think people who are able to kind of compartmentalize do better. Well, and it's hard because it really is on you, the individual, to find ways to continue to relight your fire. And yes. that's, you know, not fair because the job is hard and you're tired. And, and on top of it, you have to keep restarting your own self. I mean, you spend all day trying to light a fire under a kid. And that then also you have to, you know, do it to yourself. I think that's part of the problem now is that it's, lighting your own fire is a lot harder because yeah. the the rose colored glasses, if anybody had them on or off that, you know, suddenly it's like, Hey, I'm making shit money and I am working like a dog and I am being treated badly and parents are treating me badly and lighting that match is, is, is harder. When we talked originally about doing this topic, I know, I think, Yo, miss, you were the one who said, well, if we put that out there, what are you looking forward to? Everyone's going to save the kids. So how do we ask the question so that we get like the other answers? And, and I think, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time on reading answers for kids or for people who mentioned the kids, but I, you know, I think for everyone, that's, that's it, you know, like, right. you, and the fresh start of the new school year also comes, you know, hand in hand with the fresh start of new kids or seeing mm -hmm. kids from the past and how much they've grown up over the summer, or I don't know, this year you're the advisor, but so much of it, to me, that was the hardest part about leaving. Absolutely. Was I was going to say, I was gonna say that's, that's the only thing I miss. I don't miss my admin. I don't, I don't miss, you know, I, I liked teaching. I mean, I actually liked teaching that. So I missed that a little bit, but the only thing is like, oh, the kids, like, I wonder how they're doing, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, I got over it too. I mean, yeah. there's nothing though, like, and now of course being out of it, I'm like all nostalgic when I think back, but you know, when you have a day where like an activity just goes lands or you have mm -hmm. a discussion and the kids just are into it or they're just so, I think teachers live from those moments to moments. Those are what keep us going. But mm -hmm. I think it's, what's been harder is the job has gotten harder. And so those moments don't keep us going the way they used to, you know, it used right. to be tough. We had a good day and that bumped us along, but now it's like, you're in such deeper water that those mm -hmm. moments don't always have the impact that they did. It's almost like we need more of them now or bigger ones to keep us going or something to make the water less deep. Yeah. Well, ideally, but given that I don't know that that's happening, <laughs> but I think the people who stay and get excited 
each year to come back are the ones who are good at clinging to those moments. I mean, I have some coworkers who like, we can come out of just a shit staff meeting and they're still just like so excited about what they're going to do tomorrow. They're going to get their copies made. And so, I mean, those people who can lean into the good stuff, Mm-hmm. I mean, God bless them. Those are the ones I'm happy that are there so that my kids can be in their classrooms. Yeah. Well, you know, somebody once said to me, I think when I was student teaching or something, they, or I don't actually know who said this, but they said, if, if you can sleep the night before the first day of school, like sleep well, then you should be done. And it's true because you should either be like excited or nervous or yeah. you know, whatever, you know, and I like I used to sleep. OK, because I can sleep under pretty much any circumstances. But um, <laughs> but, you know, for me, it was like when the alarm went off, I was like, boom, out of bed. Like, OK, I'm ready. I'm going, you know, like and it's yeah. true. Like there are people who just are dragging themselves in. And and I 100 percent agree with you. I think it's just those moments and those times where you're like, oh my God, that was great. Uh, that, ah, that w- w- it's not enough anymore because of everything else that's happening. And that's unfortunate, but people who are trying to have those moments have a better shot at being happy at it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and looking forward to, to doing it. And we'll see. I, I keep hoping for the sake of the kids and, and my teacher friends that this year is a more normal year than last year because last year they were hoping would be normal and it was not I know last year we went into the year like so pumped and it was rough so I feel like it can't possibly happen again it's got to be better it's got to be better I hope so okay well here's hoping it's better Next episode, we'll be back complaining, not to worry. Yep. <laughs> this is all our positivity in one fell swoop. That's it. Night. It's over. <laughs> back to curmudgeon life next week. <laughs> yeah. And we're better at that anyway. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it is time for us to do pop quiz. So do you have a pop quiz question? I do. Okay. I would like to know your favorite movie villain and i'm just gonna leave it there because i tend to ask a question and then add eight thousand follow-ups adding no adding no qualifiers i can go first if you need time to think i've got one i like uh kaiser suse kaiser suse of usual suspects okay have you seen the movie no not in a really years. good. It's so he's the hero, but he's the villain, and okay. he's very, very, very intricate. Mm-hmm. That's Scotty. So he's a bright one. <laughs> <laughs> he's deep. A villain that I think is good because it like kind of still disturbs me to this day, and maybe it's because of the age that I saw the movie. But Kevin Bacon in the movie A River Wild. Scared the bejesus out of me. He just was so creepy. And he had these people sort of kidnapped while they were like whitewater rafting. Yeah. And I think the situation was so desperate. And then he has sort of that angular face with that pointy villain nose. I just, when I saw <laughs> that as like a, I don't know what I was, middle school, high school, he just creeped me out. And I don't even know that that movie is even like, there's not even that much violence in it, but 
after shortly after that, Apollo 13 came out and he was in it. And the whole movie, I was like, don't trust him. You can't trust him. (laughs) (laughs) It was hard for me to see Kevin Bacon as anything other than just like a creepy bad guy. So that was the first one that came to my mind when I saw the question. Okay. Well, I'd have to say my, I I can't say she's my favorite villain, but the one who I found like very disturbing, I don't remember what her last name is in it, but her name is Alex in the movie. It's Glenn Close in Fatal Attraction. Oh yeah, the one, she's good. The, the one yeah. who like boils the bunny. She's good. And she is <laughs> like, oh my God, I, I could just watch that movie over and over just watching her. I usually watch it with Scotty and say, see, this is what will happen. If, you know, you fool around. So, Luckily, we don't have a bunny rabbit, so. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Can't, fit the, can't, can't fit the dog into a pot. Oh, um, but, oh, uh, but seriously, she is so fucking insane. And she's just like, when she takes the, the kid on the to the amusement park and they go on the rides and then she's like, okay, give me a kiss. And I'm like, oh, no, no. You know, yeah, she's. She's amazing. Yeah, she is very creepy. So, okay. What is a trend that you participated in? It can include clothing or anything like that, that looking back on now, you're just like, oh my God, what, why, why did I do that? Uh, The (laughs) seventies. What about the 70s? You have to be more specific. The, the clothing, the hair, the you know, bell bottoms, uh, you know, flannel shirts and bell bottoms and long hair and really oh bad my. haircuts, whole thing. Okay. I All think right. bell bottoms are so cool. I wish bell bottoms were always popular. But the yeah, guys warm guys warm too, you know, it was just the whole the whole I know I'm for it. Stick. I wore bell bottom for all. Yeah. My mother used to say, why would, why would you wear those? You're cleaning the floor with them. It's like, okay, Sylvia, thank you for that style statement. (laughs) Well, in my age, the wide leg jeans were similar because like in the winter, it would be wet, like halfway up the back of your legs. Mm, They would just mm -hmm. drag. And I would always like, you'd have to cut because chunks of the denim would start to like break off. So you have to cut the chunks off because they were getting raggedy, but I don't care. I like loved it. I love the grunge stuff. Uh, I have to think. I'm, I feel like I made some unfortunate hair choices in high school. I, (laughs) before I, I cut my hair really short in high school, but before that, the part down the middle like just pulled tight with like a butterfly clip on either side. Oh yeah. I remember I remember just feeling like I never could get it smooth enough and tight enough down. It's like you put the clip and then the hair would, you know, relax a little as is normal. And it was like, oh, I just couldn't get it <laughs> to my head. And then it was like tucked behind my ears, of course, and like belled out of my shoulders. Like, what was that? Oh, <laughs> and, and that, was, that was part of my problem with the 70s is that I have wavy curly hair. And of course, everybody is supposed to have long, straight hair. And my hair was just all over the place. And I always hated it. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I mine was definitely uh, several hairstyles. I could just like line them up, you know. But the one that I like look back on, and I'm like, what What was I thinking? Was so back in like the 
late 70s, the, the big thing was Farrah Fawcett, Charlie's Angels, the original Charlie's Angels. And Farrah Fawcett had this hairstyle where it was like your hair like swooped back in these like wings and whatever. And yeah. it didn't look bad, but to make my hair, which is curly hair, do that, <laughs> it was like 45 <laughs> minutes of blow drying like every day. Like I could have like cured cancer, you know, but I look back <laughs> on it. You know, I look back on it now and go, oh, my God, what was I thinking? Like, why? Why would why didn't I just wear my hair like a normal person? Why did I mm-hmm. feel the need to do that? So that was that was a trend that I and then there were there's been other hairstyles as well. But, yeah, that was that was probably it was probably a hair thing. So that would be my my regret. So the hair seems to be a common theme here. Yes, something that was dumb that I didn't really because of course it was my parents money at the time but I was probably like the upper L age when pogs were a thing sure and Um, that was a dumb trend because what even did you do with those like you collected them and we all had these like plastic sleeves that we stored our pogs in Mm -hmm. they were like cardboard discs and then you would play some game with them but I don't know a one person who ever actually played pogs I don't know that I knew and you'd get the heavy disc, you must have, you like flip it and they'd flip up. I never played Pogs ever, but I had Pogs and I remember whining for Pogs because they'd always be at the <laughs> checkout with the other impulse crap. And like, what, what was that? What were we thinking? But every, like my son had, he had Pogs, I think at some point, but he also had these things, crazy bones that were like these plastic things that uh, different colors they're still down in his room like he he had a he had a tamagotchi oh Oh, yeah that thing was was horrible wanted to kill it wanted to die just he would go off to school and leave the tamagotchi with me and be and and then i would be like all day i'd have to take like make sure this thing didn't die because like who wanted to tell their kid when they came home from school like (laughs) Tamagotchi died while you were at school. Like, so all day I was just like, oh my God, I think I have to give it water. I think it needs like, you know, this or that. Yeah. That was, I think that was the worst trend ever. That was just horrible. That was pretty bad. Okay. Well, those are our (laughs) pop quiz questions for today. Okay. All right. So let's close this baby out. Thanks to Max Siskind of Max and Max in the Morning for our intro. And thanks to Elaine Eckert for our artwork. Thank you to Scotty for making us sound fabulous, competent, and editing out all the background sounds that happen in my insane home. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to all of you for listening. Yeah, oh, I'm sure you enjoy it immensely. (laughs) If you like what we're doing here on the show, there are two ways you can help us out. First, spread the word about our show. Tell your friends, enemies, and even your frenemies. Share us on social media with your teacher and non-teacher friends alike. Second, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to podcasts or leave us a comment on our Facebook or Twitter. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear if there's any topics you'd like us to cover, or if you'd like to be on the podcast, we would also love to hear from you then. You can find us all over social media. Our contact information is in the episode notes. And thank you all for listening. And remember, Target's offering teachers 15% off school supplies, so there's nothing to complain about. Yes, except for the fact that, don't forget, flip-flops are not allowed in the classroom. So there's something to complain about. (laughs) See, See you guys. 